Danny J. And I'm Jill Coleman. Welcome to the Best Life Podcast. Here, we talk about everything from success, money, relationships, and entrepreneurship to productivity, honest communication, positive psychology, and how to cultivate an abundance mindset. Make money, travel the world, deepen your relationships, live full out. This is the best life. Welcome to another episode of the Best Life Podcast. This is Jill, and I'm here doing a solo episode for you today. Really, really pumped about the, today's topic. We get asked about this quite a bit, and so I wanted to do an episode on mentorship. So one of the questions I get quite a bit, especially like in my DMs, over email, people ask me, how do you choose a mentor? I want to get better at something, whether that's building an online business, maybe it's changing careers, maybe it's a relationship mentor. I want to, I think I'm at the point where I want to start investing in myself and I don't know exactly what to look for when it comes to a mentor. So one of the things I want to share with you guys first is kind of my personal story of mentorship or, or joining some sort of mastermind or paying a coach for the very first time. And I think investment can be really scary. Danny and I have talked about this quite a bit on the podcast in the past, the idea behind investment kind of being a value system of both of ours. So one of the things that, you know, Danny is obviously very passionate about helping people get out of debt, helping them with their money mindset, helping them uh, adapt or bring on a, an abundance mindset instead of a scarcity mindset. We've talked about that in terms of food. We've talked about that in terms of money, in terms of relationships, is how do you hone an abundance mindset when it comes to investing? So for example, if I already feel like, you know, maybe I'm in scarcity, if I'm a personal trainer or a health coach, I don't, I don't have any clients yet, or you know, I'm worried that my clients are going to leave me, or I don't have a lot of disposable income. So the idea of investing in a coach feels really scary. This is kind of coming on the heels of, I just finished a launch for a course called Fitness Business Accelerator. It's a six-month business course, and I recorded this be, uh, right after that because I, I this is a program for beginners. So for me, I know that my niche with FBA oftentimes are personal trainers, health coaches, life coaches, nutrition consultants, people who are in the health and fitness field. And this is oftentimes the very first purchase, this is the very first time they've ever invested big in their own education, in their own career. Traditionally, as we grow up, we think, okay, we get a job, we go and have a corporate job, we work nine to five. So there's never any like kind of amount of money that we need to invest in it. We just get a job and we start getting a paycheck every two weeks. Very, very different. I mean, obviously like going to school and getting certifications and things like that is an investment, but the idea of investing in a coach can feel a little scary, especially for something like business or even fitness or nutrition. And so I want to have a conversation around this and share with you guys how I went from someone who was very much in a scarcity mindset and holding on very tightly to the money that I was making as a personal trainer. I was working from sun up to sundown. I really... Um, you know, felt at times like my clients were going to leave me or the gym owner was going to kick me out or I wouldn't be able to make my bills. And I really operated in scarcity for a really long time. And it wasn't until I hired my very first business coach for a good significant amount of money that I started flipping the switch on that. And so I want to share with you guys that story first and also my the idea behind why I chose to go with the coach that I ended up choosing. So Jill Fitz started in 2010 and it was a at the time a fitness and nutrition blog. We were doing a lot of one-on-one -on -one meal plans. We were doing competition prep for people. We were doing a lot of really kind of hardcore strict dieting for clients. And so we started locally. 
Um, when I say we, I had five other coaches that I eventually brought on to do kind of meal plans and food lists and stuff like that. Like I said, we weren't doing any of the moderation 365 stuff that we do now. It was very much regimented because that was how I came up as a competitor and as a fitness model. And so coming out of that, we just go, you know, well, we're doing this for each other. Why can't we do this for other people as well? And that was the infancy of, of blogging and the infancy of Facebook business pages and things like that. And so we had, we grew a pretty quick readership at JillFit. I was blogging every day for the first two years. And at that point, it was kind of like a dear diary. Here's what I'm working on. Here's what we're focusing on. Here's some fat loss tips. Here's some recipes. Here's some workouts. It was very much kind of in the, a day in the life all the time. And so we got a lot of people who really wanted to get up on stage or they wanted to compete. And so we started doing meal plans. It started locally with people who just couldn't train with us in the gym, friends and family, et cetera. And then we started eventually getting strangers to the point where within 18 months, we had grown our one-on-one -on -one coaching at JillFit to a six-figure uh, business, which was amazing online. All of the coaches were doing great. They were getting paid really well for their coaching, um, but they were all tapped out as whenever there's kind of a time for money exchange, obviously there's always going to be built-in ceiling. There's always how many, only a certain number of clients you can take on in a day. And this is of course the same problem I ran into in the gym. And now I was just recreating that problem on the internet. At one point we had over a hundred clients at one time on our roster, which was an amazing problem to have, except that all the coaches became totally tapped out. I came to, I became tapped out. So now instead of getting home from the gym at eight or nine o'clock and going to bed, I was getting home at eight or nine o'clock from the gym. And then I was writing training programs and, and meal plans until 1am. And so it just compounded the problem that we had. It was great. We were making a lot of money, but at the same time we had no time. And so I ran up against this problem of, I don't know where to go next. And I think at that time, because I was a fitness professional, who had a business, I wasn't a business woman. And those are two different distinctions. So for me, I was a personal trainer, I was nutrition, I had my master's in nutrition, I was an expert in that. But at the same time, I wasn't a business person. And I think I just assumed that I, because I had a blog and I was making money, that I was a business person. And so I thought a lot of the things that I had to learn about business were just common sense, or I could find them on Google, or I could read a book. And so I kept telling me myself that story. I'll, de I'll do it myself. I'll do it myself. I can find out the information, whatever. I just assumed I could do that because that's how I had done everything else in my life. Uh, until I ran up against a point where I just literally didn't know where to go. I had no tools at that point. And I kept telling myself, okay, I'll just Google this, or I'm just going to keep trying. I'm going to keep trying. And I kept not doing it. And that was the point where I was really stuck in the business about 18 months in. And so this is how I came across my very first mentor, which was Rachel Cosgrove. Rachel Cosgrove, her husband, Alan Cosgrove, had a mentorship that they ran. They were health and fitness professionals. They were doing super well. And I remember when I was looking around the industry for someone to coach with. At that time, I was just coming out of the fitness modeling stuff. So I looked around at some of the fitness models, the kind of big names in the industry, and I'm like, would I really want to learn from them? I mean, Jamie Easton is amazing. We've had her on the podcast. She's so, so amazing. But at the time she was doing a lot of magazine work and she was doing a lot of booth work. And while that was great, that wasn't what I wanted to do. She was super successful in that realm. I looked at people like Monica Brandt who are name in that fitness competition space. I didn't want to do that anymore. And so I had to say, okay, what ex who's living the lifestyle that I want to live? Who's maybe five years ahead of me? And I knew Rachel at the time, she had a couple of uh, books out. She had a column in Women's Health. She was running uh, a mentorship, live events with her husband. And at that time, I was still very much married. Um, so it was someone that I really looked up to in that space. And it was interesting because Rachel is, she's so amazing, but she wasn't like a shredded 
fitness model or competitor, right? She was someone who was super fit, super athletic, but had a real sustainable business. She was a businesswoman. And I remember being like, that's who I need to learn from. And so I reached out to her on Facebook, uh, as one does in a DM. And I said, hey, Rachel, do you offer any business coaching? And she said to me, um, sure, email my assistant. Here's her email address and she'll get you details. So I emailed Rachel's assistant and the woman came back and said, sure, Rachel can, can talk to you for 30 minutes and it's going to be $375. And I was like, what? Like my jaw just hit the floor, like $375 for 30 minutes. Like, oh my God, at this time I was charging like $15 for 30 minutes, you know? Um, and so I couldn't believe that, that she was charging that much. And this will all make sense later. But for me, I was like, oh my God, okay, if this woman can charge this much money for this much time, I need to figure out what she's doing. And if I can learn one thing in that session, that single session that makes me $375 back, then it's going to be worth it, right? And so I, I paid you know, I paid over PayPal. We got on the phone. It was great. She gave me some insight, gave me some tips. And at the end of the call, she pitched me on her year-long mastermind. Her and Alan had a year-long mastermind together. And it was $10,000. And I was like, wow, holy shit. I don't even have a credit card that goes up to $10,000 that has a $10,000 limit on it, never mind having that kind of cash. And I remember, you know, feeling like there's no way I can do this. There's just no way. I just, I typically, I just don't have that money and I'm terrified and I wish I had it because I don't have any tools. Like, I don't know where to go from here. And so I remember getting off the phone and being like, okay, thanks so much. I'll let you know in the back of my mind going, I'm not going to do this. There's no way I can do this. And a couple of weeks went by and I kept feeling really stuck. I didn't know what else to do. Um, at this point, we were just doing tons of one-on-one training. It was, it was great. It was a great problem to have, but I literally didn't know how to create a course. I didn't know how to leverage my time. I didn't know how to charge what I was worth. I didn't know how to do these things. And so a couple of weeks later, I said, you know what? You know, I got to figure this out. And Jade, who was my ex-husband, at the, uh, my husband at the time, was like, Jill, we have to figure this out. And so I actually ended up launching my very first year-long mentorship, my own, uh, called Best of You in order to make the money to pay Rachel. And so at the time, you know, Jill Fit was a six-figure business, uh, fitness and nutrition, which was great. So I was like, you know what? I don't know everything about business, but I can at least teach someone who's just getting started what I've done. And so I went into it with that with that in mind. And it was a third business at the time and it was a third mindset and it was also a third fitness. So that very first year, I kind of was like, you know what? I want to work with 12, 15 people who want to work on mindset, body, and business over the next 12 months. We're going to be spending a lot of up close and personal time together, uh, and it's going to be a mentorship. So I recreated the thing that I was trying to, to, to create to, to be able to pay Rachel. And so I created Best of You as a mentorship. I got 14 people to sign on, and it was $100 a month for 12 months. I made about $17,000, uh, which is amazing, and I was able to pay Rachel. And so here's the thing. Without someone saying to me and challenging me to come up with that money, like literally just blown away, totally like $10,000 wasn't even in, I, I was barely able to spend $300 on a call, right? And so someone giving me a price tag of $10,000 was like, what? It completely shook up my reality. It wasn't even something I would have considered had someone like Rachel not shown me that she was worth that. And as a result of that, I was like, wow, I wonder if I could. I wonder if I should. I wonder if that's me. So it was a possibility creator. And so 
the coaching with Rachel and Alan was amazing and they're my mentors and they're, I am so grateful to them, but it wasn't even the coaching itself that really leveled up the business. Of course, I did get some amazing pearls and some mindset insights and some things about charging what I'm worth and whatever, but really the biggest shift was the thing I had to do, the person I had to become in order to make that money. And so going into it and creating my very first course, not knowing really what I was doing, but knowing enough and trusting myself to be able to, to deliver an amazing product, even though I'd never done it before. So the, the act of creating that course to make the money necessary to invest in my mentor was the thing, it was the catalyst that leveled me up in a sense. And it was in that moment that I really actually became a businesswoman. And I started acting like someone who invests $10,000. Up until that point, I wasn't. And so it was the act of investing or the challenge of investing that really kind of made me start acting like the person who is really ready to seriously do this. And so if you're listening to the story and you're going, okay, I think I'm there. I think like on some level I do, you know, $10,000 feels like a lot of money. Uh, but at the same time, I think I do, I do feel stuck. I want to get to the next level. It's probably time for you to think about having a mentor. And so having a mentor doesn't necessarily mean you need to pay a ton of money, but if you are in a position where you do feel stuck in your life in some way, shape or form, for me, it was in business, it was in my career, it might be a relationship for you, it might be um, health and fitness, nutrition, et cetera, there's no getting around the fact that on some level, you're probably going to have to pay to play. And so when, you, when I say pay, I mean maybe in money, uh, maybe in time, maybe in your feedback, right? So for example, maybe someone will say, hey, I'll mentor you, but I, I wanna get some feedback from you. That would be beta testing. Um, hey, I'll give you some mentorship, but I want you to create, I want you to provide a testimonial for me. Or I'll give you some mentorship, but I want something in return in terms of like internship or work. There might be some sort of trade happening. So it doesn't necessarily have to be money. I think that money is uh, very powerful. When we see ourselves, when I saw myself giving over $10,000, I was so proud of myself. I couldn't believe what I had put together in order to do that. And I started acting like that person. And so it doesn't necessarily have to be in money. But I think that it's really powerful if it is a financial investment because it does put a lot more skin in the game. And so that paying to play, I think it is vital and it doesn't need to necessarily, like I said, in money, but it needs to be in some something that hurts a little bit. It's going to have to hurt a little bit for you to really take it seriously. And so since then, because I saw myself um, change so drastically as a result of doing the thing I had to do to make that money, I became an investor. And when I say I became an investor, it just became part of my core value system. In fact, now I feel like if I'm not investing, I'm going backwards. That's how important it is to me. I have money that I put aside all the time for, for continuing education, for mentorship, for coaching, for um, investing in my business. It's very important that I keep doing that. And so if you've ever worked for me, worked with me, you know that I take um, staying on the pulse of our industry extremely important. And I can't do that if I don't have resources. I can't do it if I don't have money to spend. And so for me, and I know for Danny too, both of us are investors. We're like, if we're not spending money and we're holding onto it so tightly, we're just, uh, we are just sort of perpetuating a scarcity mindset. Whereas if I'm investing, you know, I give commissions to people who bring in, uh, you know, who refer people from my mastermind. Um, if someone does a testimonial for me, I pay them either financially or pay them in a gift card or something. Like for me, money likes to flow. And so for me, I'm very abundant in investing in other people and investing in coaches, investing in mentorships, investing in masterminds, because I know that's going to come back to me. So when I gave Rachel $10,000, I didn't have like a profit and loss 
worksheet that I was looking at to make sure, oh my God, I'm about to give $10,000 to Rachel. I need to make sure that dollar for dollar I make this back. I just trusted that I would. I trusted in myself. I trusted in the future that I was going to create as a result of doing that. And so for me, I've spent literally tens, hundreds of thousands of dollars on investing in my business over the last nine years. And I've never once been like, did I make every dollar, every single dollar back? I have, but that wasn't the point. Now for me, it's just, it's a mindset, it's a core value system. And so for me, there'll always be time. So last year I invested in two masterminds and one was $35,000 and the other was $20,000. And so they were completely different and it was a great experience for me to have at the same time. And I don't say that amount of money to like impress you or brag. I just want you to know that like this is how serious I now take investment. To me, I want to be in certain rooms. I want to have access to certain things. I want to find the people who are doing the things the best and pay top dollar to access them. That's how important it is to me. And so when we think about mentorship or we think about joining a mastermind or we think about joining some sort of coaching program, there's a couple of things that I wanna run through really quick. There's actually three major things that I think you should start to look at because the two masterminds that I joined last year were vastly different and my experience in them was also vastly different. And so neither one was bad, just that one ended up being a better fit for some reasons and another, the other one wasn't as good of a fit for some reasons. And so I want to share with you guys some of the lessons that I have out of those experiences and what I, th- I think that as a result of that, you should look for in mentorship. So number one, most important thing is do you get along with this person? Like this is so, so important because we buy coaches, not coaching, because we're buying into the person who is running the mastermind or because we're buying into the person who is going to be our mentor, we're going to be spending a lot of time with them. And so our personalities need to match up. We need to be similar because also the people, the other people that are going to be in the mentorship with you or the mastermind with you or the group with you are also going to be like the person who's running it. And so you need to know, okay, do I vibe with this person? Could we hang out together? Would it be, you know, are we similar in personality? Do we have the same sense of humor? Do we find the same things? Like, uh, you know, like are we similar enough that we could spend the weekend together and get along and have a lot of FaceTime? And do I respect this person? It's really important that you respect the person and that you also think that on a personal level, you connect with this person. And that's all the stuff separate from the strategy that they're going to share, separate from the contacts that they might share with you, the resources that they might share with you. It is all about, could I actually hang out with this person? Could we spend the weekend together? Could we go out and have a drink together? Could we go to coffee? And would we vibe together? Extremely important. And this was one of the biggest differences in the masterminds that I joined last year. One was great in terms of just access and resources and things like that, but the person running it was not similar to me. And because of that, they attracted a lot of people that were similar to them. And it wasn't necessarily, it didn't feel like a huge fit to me. It didn't feel like the best fit personality-wise. So as a result of that, I found myself feeling um, a little alienated, not because of that, not because of anyone else in the group, just like I didn't really want to spend that much time with the people. It's just a natural progression. It's naturally what happens when we don't feel like our personalities match up, I'm kind of like, I'm not really, these aren't my people. And so I didn't want to go to the events as much. I didn't want to get on the live calls as much. I didn't really feel like I had that much in common with some of the people in the group. We had a lot of similar goals in terms of monetary goals and success goals, 
but personality wise, we weren't very similar. And I was kind of like, ah, like I just don't really, I found myself just withdrawing from the group, which kind of sucks, right? Of course, I, you want to be in, as engaged as possible. It's not there. It wasn't the fault of the person running it. It was, it was my own kind of fault for not really looking at that or thinking that was important. On the other hand, the other mastermind that I joined, it was interesting because the other mastermind I joined didn't have um, like the strategy and the resources and the connections that the other one did, but the people in this were so much more similar to me, personality-wise, sense of humor-wise, lifestyle-wise. And I was like, these are more my people. I loved going and hanging out, even though I didn't get as much out of it strategy-wise. I was like, these are the pe- these people are fucking cool-ass people. I like. Ha- I could see myself hanging out with them outside of this space. And so I think personality-wise, you need to look at the person who is running the group or the person who's the mentor and go, could we actually hang out? This is number one, you guys. I don't care how much knowledge that person has, how much strategy experience, that's secondary to could I get along with this person? Because you'll find yourself withdrawing if you can't. That's number one. Number two, is this person living the lifestyle that I want on some level? So looking at how they do their business, looking at how they run their life, what are their relationships like? Do they have, you know, the kind of autonomy that you want? Do they have the travel that you want? I'm just saying, maybe this is options. Do they have the family life that you want? So one of the things that, you know, when people coach me, I'm not a mom. So sometimes that can be a turnoff to people because they're like, well, Jill doesn't really understand my lifestyle because I have three kids. And they would be 100% right in that assessment. So I might not be, but at the same time, I do have a lot of moms in my groups. And so it really just comes down to like, does this person have, is there some lifestyle factor that you aspire to? Could you see like me with Rachel looking at Rachel and going, you know what? She's like five years ahead of where I want to be. She's five years ahead of me. I could see myself. That's where I want to be in five years. And that was the reason why I hired her. I was like, I don't want to be doing magazine work as much as I really, you know, respect some of these fitness models and these top uh, competitors, that wasn't the lifestyle that I wanted anymore. So you need to look at the person's lifestyle and ask, do they have the life that I want? This includes things like, you know, how do they spend their time? What's their daily schedule look like? How do they work? How do they make money? Um, what kind of money do they have, right? How much money do they have? And also, what are their practices? So this was really interesting. Um, like I had mentioned, I just came off launching FBA, And the cart closed last week. And leading up to the cart close, I did a good amount of sales calls. So I was on the phone with people and trying to figure out if it was a good fit and people, you know, telling me kind of some of their stories. And I was talking to this one woman who eventually ended up joining the group. And she said that the day before our call, she was talking to another business coach who was really selling like very high pressure sales, asking for astronomical amounts of money, which is fine, but also really high pressure. Um, you know, and not really, and kind of almost gaslighting her, like saying things like, well, if you don't want to pay, then you don't trust me. And like stuff like this, that to me feels really greasy. And so remember that if, uh, what, if a person is selling you in one way, that's what they're going to be teaching you. So I said to this woman, I said, look, like, you know, you need to do what you need to do for you, but you do realize that if you hire this person for business coaching, those are the methods they're going to teach you. So you need to feel comfortable with that. And so looking at all of those things, like do the methods that they use, um, could you see yourself using them? Because remember, this is going to be your mentor. So they're going to teach you what they know. So are they in their integrity or do they lie? Are they, you know, 100% honest or not? Are they, do you get a feeling where like things just feel off? There feels like there's a little bit of a disconnect there. All of that stuff, even if you're getting a hit intuitively, 
it's really important that you listen to that. It needs to feel like, oh my God, this person is, we're just, we're just vibing. This is good stuff. And they also have the lifestyle that I want. And I could see myself being in that space five years from now or 10 years from now. That is very, very key. So number one is personality. Number two is lifestyle aspirations. Are they doing the things you want to be doing? Very, very important. And number three, this is also key, but I would, I would say that this is the third thing because if you have just the two things in place, you're going to get a lot out of that mentorship. But the third thing, and this is really important, is for you to decide ahead of time what you need exactly. What do you need? What exactly do you need? And so some of the things to consider are, do you need strategy? Like, do you just need know-how? Do you need someone to just tell you what to do? You know, I feel so overwhelmed, Jill. I feel like there's so many things I could do. I just need someone to lay the plan out for me. So you might just need strategy. You need someone who's maybe on the pulse of the industry. Maybe they're a mover and a shaker. Maybe they're, they too are an investor. So you know that they're staying up on stuff. So do you just need strategy? I just need to know who's doing this the best. So one of the practices I have is, if I know I want to create something in my business or I want to create something and I don't know how to do it, I look out into the space and I go, who's doing this the best? Literally, who is doing this the best? And I approach that person and ask to pay them money. Hey, so-and-so, I don't know what it, how much it is to take your time for a day or an hour, but can I pick your brain for a day? How much would that be? Can I pick your brain for an hour? How much would that be? The thing you're doing is the thing I want to create and you're the best at it. How much is it to access your brain? And so that's how I approach it, but that might be so for but that doesn't mean you need to join a mentorship. That might that may, might mean like okay, I need to know who's doing the thing I want to create and approach them about potentially coaching with them. So do you need strategy? Do you need accountability? Maybe you're like, you know what? I just am someone who I'm so multi-passionate. Um, I tend to get all over the place. Um, you know, I know what I should be doing, but I just can't seem to implement it. Do you need someone to be the boss of you? Like sometimes you just need that. You need the accountability of getting on the phone every week or getting on the phone every two weeks or having to show up to calls. And you need someone who's going to help you, at least at the beginning, finally put your money where your mouth is and actually do the thing. So accountability might be what you need. Do you need resources and contacts, logistical type stuff? Do you need someone who can just tell you, okay, this is the software to go with. This is the platform you should use. Um, yeah, this is, I've done live events before. This is exactly how you should do it. Do you need someone who, oh, I have a person who can do that. Oh, I have a Facebook ads person for you. Like, do you need someone who just has been around the block and knows a lot of people and has a lot of contacts, has a lot of resources, can introduce you to some peers, can get you in front of some, some people you might not be able to get in front of otherwise? Are you paying for someone's Rolodex? That's something as well to consider. Do you just want to start, you know, do you want uh, to get a book agent? Do you want to get, start speaking on stages? Do you want to get on additional podcasts? Like you might need to be in a room of mover and shakers who know people like that. So do you need resources, contacts, logistical type stuff? Uh, number four, do you need uh, just friends and connection? Like, are you just like, you know what? I'm trying to do this thing and no one in my life understands this at all. And I just need like, literally, I just need connection. I need like people like me and I don't, I feel very alone in what I'm doing. I have a few women in my mastermind who are very much like that. They're like, you know, this is, these are my people, but you guys live on the other side of the country. But I look forward to our live events because we get to connect. And I look forward to our monthly group calls because I get to connect and like, you're my people. I just need people like me. Maybe you're a mom and you kind of feel alone and trying to build your business. And you're like, I feel like no one gets it around here you might need to get out of your box. You might need to get out of your little town or your big town and find other people who get it. 
And so it's very valid. I mean, I take it for granted because I'm in Los Angeles. I think Danny takes it for granted because she's in Las Vegas. And we're around a lot of entrepreneurs all the time, especially here in Los Angeles. Like everyone's working on something. Everyone knows somebody. Everyone's working on something. Everyone has a side project or a side hustle. And so I take that for granted. But there are plenty of places in, in the States and in the world where entrepreneurship and trying to create something bigger or trying to do something a little more evolved is not really all that common. And so you might have to ask yourself, like, am I willing to pay for friends? And I know that sounds strange, but it's okay to do that. It's totally okay to do that. I've definitely done that. Danny's done that. Sometimes you just have to pay to be in the room with people who are similar to you, and that's fine. And that's nothing to be ashamed of. And then the last thing is, like, do you need travel, right? So mentorship, masterminds, uh, coaching opportunities. Usually there's some live events associated with that. Do you just want to travel? Do you want to go to places? Do you want to, you know, be a mover and a shaker? Do you want to get outside of your box? Do you want to do something a little bit different? And maybe you're craving that. So joining a mentorship or a mastermind that has that ability. I know for my mastermind members, like they love that. They're always like, we get to go here. We're doing this. Like we're literally going to Paris next year. And I, I love that because I want them to live the entrepreneurial lifestyle on some level. And all of them are doing this full time, but some of them have young children and, you know, they have families and, you know, husbands or partners or whatever. And so sometimes it's not always easy for them to up and go to Paris, but I want to give them an opportunity to plan it for next year. That's why we went to Mexico the last two years. Uh, we've been to Austin, we've been to New York, we've been to uh, LA, like all these different places. And I'm like, cool, I want you to have an excuse to go to Paris. I want you to have an excuse to go to Mexico, to be with your girls, to work on your business, to be all about you. And so that's the that's the value in it for me. And so number three in a nutshell is defining exactly what you need. The options were things like strategy, accountability, resources, uh, connection or friends and travel. Those are some uh, some kind of very common reasons why you might join a mastermind, but really looking at you know, could I learn from this person? It does this person have a lifestyle that I want? Could we get together? Could we hang out together for a weekend? Would I like spending time with this person? Do I respect this person? That's the thing is the person might be very uh, educated and have a ton of strategy and whatever, but you don't respect how they do their business. That's yucky. There's a disconnect there. It feels out of alignment and very, no matter how much they know or how many people they know, that might be tough for you to connect with them. And so taking into consideration those things. So um, I think also as you're maybe thinking about, maybe you have a small group of people that you are thinking about approaching, try not to just go with the big name. Try not to go with like, oh my God, this person's like the person in the industry to work with. That's great, but evaluate them as objectively as you possibly can. Don't just go with the crowd. Think to yourself, okay, could I actually get along with this person? Do we have a similar personality? Are they living the lifestyle that I want? And do they have the thing that I need? Do they have the thing that I need? And it could be a combination of all of those things. Also to consider as an asterisk, you should ask for testimonials. Any mentor or mastermind, you know, person who's putting, or any coach, they should have the ability to tell you, yeah, go ask these people. Here's some testimonials. Here's results you can expect. Um, that's, you should ask that, especially if it's going to be a, a pretty um, big investment. If it's a significant investment, any coach should be like willing to show you the kinds of results that they've gotten to send you to some of their previous clients or mentors or mentees and go, yeah, talk to that person. I don't care. Go talk to that person and feel confident doing that. And so whenever someone comes to me and they ask that question, I love that question because for me, that's a great question to ask. It's very valuable. But any coach who doesn't have the time for that, that's a red flag to me. 
I love sharing my previous clients with potential member members. I'm like, cool, go talk to these people there. And they'll tell you, they'll be honest with you. That's what I want. I want an honest assessment. I don't want it curated because if I curate it, sure, I have testimonials and stuff like that on my site. But if I'm like trying to control the conversation and trying to control the things that they hear and say, whatever, like that's not going to end well for anybody. I want my previous clients to tell the full truth of their experience to someone who's thinking about it and then let the chips fall. And I just know in that I've done good work. And it comes down to, I trust that I've done good work. I don't feel embarrassed by some by the things that I've done. I feel really um, good about the ways in which I've served my clients. And so I'm happy to send people to my previous clients or even current clients and be like, ask them whatever you want. I'm not trying to control that. Uh, you can ask people who else is in it. Because remember, you're going to be with these people. Who else is signed up for the group? Who else is going to be in it next year? Who else is doing this with you? Ask who else. That's a fair question. Um, you know, Ask them what kinds of outcomes that they can promise? What types of outcomes can they promise as a result of this mentorship? What would be ideal for them to uh, help you with? What's their track record? And then also, and this is really important too, you're going to be working together. This person should know something about you. You should say, hey, what do you see in me? What do you think is special about me? What do you, where do you think I need to work on? Where do you think that you can help me specifically? And they should be able to give you an answer. So for me, if someone came to me and was like, hey, Jill, I'm thinking about joining your mastermind, you know, what do you think is, um, what do you think you can help me with specifically? Where, what do you think, what do you see in me? You know, I would do some research. I would go and I would check out their stuff and I would see what I thought was like the thing about them that I could really help with. And I'd be thoughtful about it. I would be like, cool, let me check out everything. Let me, you know, let me do it like a little bit of an intake. Let me do a little bit of an audit. And here's where I think I can really help you. Here's where I see the opportunity for us to grow together. And that's a valid question. Like you're about to give this person, you know, substantial amount of money, time, and you should ask those questions. Those are great questions to ask. And the person should be able to give you an answer and not get upset about it. I'm sorry, but like, honestly, good mentors and good coaches are patient mentors and patient coaches. So while, yes, you know, sometimes, you know, coaches like, I don't want to deal with this bullshit or like whatever. And there's something to having an abundance mindset. They're not going to beg for your business. That's for sure. If someone is like constantly asking me questions and constantly, constantly, constantly trying to like lowball me or get discounts and stuff like that. I'm like, at some point I'm going to be like, okay, this isn't for you. This is too much. But if they have a couple of clarifying questions and that they, you know, to me, I'm like, great. I want to give you all of that. I want you to feel super confident in your decision. But I also am not going to beg for your business. So I think it's a little bit of both. But any confident coach or mentor should be able to feel like should be able to hold space for questions as you need clarification. Um, And I think that's really important. Here's one tip I can give you. And this is important, very important, is one thing that I've heard in the past is some people will ask for discounts for me to me. And it's not that it's not fine. So this is just my take on it. But oftentimes people will say, well, it can't hurt to ask. Well, I'm going to ask Jill if I can get a discount or I'm going to ask Jill if, you know, she can spare me, you know, whatever. And I'm like, cool, you know, you can feel free to ask. But the idea that it doesn't hurt to ask is actually wrong. So number one, for me, I'm going, okay, if this person is already asking for discounts, they're already in scarcity, which I understand, like that's common and normal. But if they're already asked for discounts, I'm kind of like, okay, I don't know this person fully trusts me yet. And I'm like, that's cool, but it would be a disservice and it'd be unfair, frankly, to people who are paying me a full price for me to give you a discount, period. 
and if I do grant you some sort of discount, there's going to be something on the back end I'm going to ask of you. Maybe a testimonial, maybe there's, but at the same time, going back to it doesn't hurt to ask. It actually does. Not only to me, it hurts because I'm just like, okay, this person isn't, they're trying to like nickel and dime me. And on some level, I don't love that. I want them to just be confident. If we have to have another conversation, that's cool. And you have to ask me some more questions. That's cool. But if you're trying to nickel and dime me, at some point, I'm going to be like, you know what? Save up and we'll do it next year. Or you know what? You're probably not ready for this. Because when you're an investor, when you're an investor, you need to be like, that's who I am. I'm doing this fucking thing. There needs to be, yes, you're always going to be a little anxious, but there needs to be more excitement than anxiety around the decision. So that's important too. And also, it hurts yourself to ask for discounts. And so it can't hurt to ask. Yes, it does. It hurts me and it also hurts you. Because on some level, you don't fully trust yourself either to make that back. So if you're like trying to like nickel and dime and wheel and deal, you're not ready yet. You're just not ready and that's okay. So for me, anytime I've invested, it's never been about, well, let me see how much it is. It's never been dependent on how much it is. And yes, I understand that that's a, that's a place of privilege that like I've been able to make enough money to be able to invest. But when I, you heard the story of me not having $10,000. So it's not like I, you know, came from a ton of money or whatever. Like I worked my way up and was able to generate the money and do the work. And Jill, if it had already been an 18 month old internet business at that point. But I think it does hurt if you feel like you're having a nickel and dime and you're that scared, then you're probably not ready yet. Anytime I've invested large amounts of money, it was just like, of course, because I want that thing. And I'm not, don't have my profit and loss worksheet out, making sure I'm making every single cent back. I've made it multiple times back, but it wasn't about that. It was about the investment itself. It was about the energy exchange. It wasn't about counting nickels and dimes. It was about the energy exchange. It was about becoming the person who deserved to be in the room with those other people because of that investment. Whether it's $10,000, whether it's $100, whether it's $35,000, whatever, I just want to be super transparent with you. Uh, and that's why I mentioned the numbers. It's not nothing. I mean, the number isn't relevant, but it has gotten more and more as I've been more successful. And that's not by accident. And I do believe, I totally do believe that without that investment, I would not be successful on multiple levels, especially in starting with Rachel Cosgrove. And so hopefully this gives you some insight into how to make these decisions. If you are thinking about investment, if you're thinking about mentorship, you're thinking about masterminds, I can't um, just promote them enough. I can't say enough good things about them. I've, I will always be a part of one. I will always have a mentor or a coach in some capacity. It might not be career, might be a relationship coach, might be life coach. But for me, that is important because to me, that's evolution. If I'm not investing in myself, then that just reiterates a scarcity mindset that I think that I'm like, oh my God, I don't know if I can make this money back or I don't know if I'm going to get out of this thing. And it's okay, especially if you've never invested before, you're going to have those thoughts but the first time is always the hardest. Once you rip off that Band-Aid, it's like, okay, cool. Now this is just how I operate. And as you operate that way, your abundance grows. You're more successful. You make more money. You reach more lives. You have more impact. Guaranteed, but you have to rip that Band-Aid off at some point, if that's your goal. So hopefully that gives you some insight. Um, just to re recap, number one, is this person have a similar personality to me? Number two, does this person have a lifestyle that I'm interested in living in some capacity? And number three, what exactly do you need and who is the person who is delivering that thing? And so hopefully that gives you guys some insight. Hope that this, you enjoyed this. If you have any specific questions, you can always DM me at Jill Fit or DM us at The Best Life Podcast. 
on Instagram, please go and join our closed Facebook group, thebestlifepodcast.com. We'll take you directly to our closed Facebook group. It's a free group. Pop in there, a little discussion. Would love to hear who you're mentoring with, who you're coaching with. Um, if you have any actual excellent recommendations, you can feel free to drop them in the group. We'd love to hear from you guys and uh, we'll talk to you soon.